0: We're going to look at Moses' response to God, Exodus chapter 3. We're going to pick up in verse 11. But remember, God has spoken to Moses through the bush, the burning bush, the manifestation of God. God spoke to him, and what did God say? God said in verse 10 in particular, He said, I will send you, and I will use you to bring my people up out of Egypt. So God didn't stutter. God said, I got a plan for you. Listen, God always has a plan. God always has a plan. God's never caught off guard. God never looks down here and says, man, what am I going to do with these folks now? God always got a plan. And he knows how to utilize us in his plan. He calls us along to work, to be a part of his plan. And that's what you see. God speaks to Moses and he says, Moses, I'm going to send you. And you are going to be the deliverer of my people. So look at verse 11. Here we see Moses begin his response to God. And there are five questions that I believe he poses. In some form, he poses back to God. So look at the first one there in verse 11. Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So God says, I'm going to send you. You're the man. Listen to what Moses said. Moses said, I'm the man. Who am I? That's the question you ask. Who am I? God, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I'm a washed up old shepherd on the backside of the desert. I'm 80 years old. I have failed before. As a matter of fact, if you look at my resume the last 40 years, I haven't really built it too much. I mean, there's not much that would impress you. Who am I that I would lead the people of Israel? As a matter of fact, I tried to lead them 40 years ago. I led this, what I thought would be a rebellion, insurrection, and the people rejected me, and because of their rejection, I got run out of town. Who am I? Now, I do believe that this is a genuine inadequacy that Moses feels. Moses said, God, I know you got big plans. I just don't know how you can use a little person like me in that big plan. I I can't do this. I am totally inadequate for this mission. Have you ever felt like that before? Like God called you to do something or maybe any, any kind of project. Let's just say any kind of project you ever had and you thought, man, I'm just inadequate to do this. Now, some of you who are parents here, Ever put a swing set together? Do you know what it's like trying to put, I mean, you have got to have an engineering degree from Louisiana Tech University. No, 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 no. No, they can tell you how to do it. They can't do it necessarily. But you know, you gotta have some kind. Putting a swing set together. I tell people I wished in seminary that they would have given me more practical help in the area of, like, electricity, like being able to do electrical things or being able to contract or construct. I mean, how many mission trips or construction trips? Why didn't they, like, give us some hints, help in, like, construction? Because I am totally inadequate when it comes to these kinds of things. This week, like, I had several projects around the house. Yesterday, I had, like, three or four. It should have taken, like, ten minutes tops. It took hours because I got frustrated I have to go and pray and repent of my sin and go back and do my thing I mean I even had a call on the deacons I said listen when I wrap this electrical wire around this screw he said what are you doing I said I don't know this is a hint you come over here and do it for me right now I don't know what I'm doing but sometimes you just feel inadequate right in any kind of purpose any kind of mission you ever felt like man who am I to do this Who am I? That's what Moses, Moses is saying, who am I? I remember when I got called to First Baptist Church of Zachary, I see some of the folks that I pastored in Zachary. But I I was called to pastor First Baptist Church of Zachary, and and that church was a church of some size. It is a great church, great, wonderful church right there in the middle of the community of Zachary. Now think of this. I was 27 years old, so I was just a little bit older than some of you here. 27 years old, to go and become the senior pastor at First Baptist Church of Zachary. There were all kinds of issues that had occurred before I got there and all kinds of things that we had to deal with. And they extended a call wanted me to come preach for them and pastor them. And I thought, I can't do this. I mean, I was even sitting in the office of a professor named Dr. Argil Smith down at New Orleans Seminary. And Argil looked at me and he said, hey, I heard you may be going to Zachary. Of course, I thought those things were supposed to be secret, but you can't trust a preacher outside of this one, to keep a secret. And I thought, well, how did he know that? Because you're not supposed to be talking about these things. Argent said, oh, yeah, we know. I know you're talking with them, and they've talked to you about coming there. So you go, and I said, I don't know. He said, well, you know about it? I said, I don't know if I can do it. And he said, you can. I said, thank you so much for the affirmation, Dr. Smith. Appreciate you. Love you. He said, no, no, no. He said, you can't do it, but God can. I said, I know. That's the spiritual answer. I've heard it all my life. You know, you can't do it, but God can. I mean, I understand that. Got it, got it, got it. He said, no, no, no. He said, you ever seen that movie, that lawyer movie? Now, I thought he was going to give me a revelation of God. He points me to a lawyer movie, you know. He says, you ever seen that lawyer movie? It's about that young guy. Uh, His name's Matt Damon. He was young at one time. Not young now for most of y'all, but he was young at one time. And he was a lawyer in that movie. I think it was, was it Rain Man maybe what it was? I'm not sure. Anyway, it says that Matt Damon, he was that young lawyer, came up to the judge's bench. And, of course, he's facing off against this very seasoned lawyer. And the judge looks at the young Matt Damon and he says, Son, are you in over your head? Absolutely. He said, one of these days you're going to get to Zachary and you're going to look around and you're going to say, man, I'm in over my head. I don't know what I'm doing. And he said, it's at that exact moment that God will show his power and his strength and his wisdom. Because God loves to put you in a place where you don't know what in the world you could do or who you think you are so that he can show his power and his grace. It's good for you to feel inadequate. You shouldn't use it as an excuse, but you should use it as a healthy sense of humility before God. See, he felt inadequate because he had failed before. We're going to talk more about that, but he, he had failed. Remember, he had tried to lead the people, and I'm convinced that it was intentional that he was trying to lead them in rebellion, and they didn't follow, so he had failed. So he had been burned once, and he didn't think he could do it again. Verse 6, it said that he had hid himself from the manifestation of God. Because, listen, when you failed and you're imperfect, it's hard to stand before the holy, perfect presence of God. I mean, when God's there and he's all great, and you realize how terrible, I mean, you're just kind of like, you try to hide because you feel inadequate. Moses felt inadequate. Look how God responds, though. Verse 12, so he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. What does God say? God said, Moses, listen. This is not about you. It's about me. I will be with you. He didn't try to pump him up, try to encourage him. He didn't try to say, hey, Moses, you're really a great guy. Moses, I know. Moses, you're awesome. He didn't say any of that. He said, I will be with you. He said, I'll be with you. It's not about you, it's about me. And I'm the one that can empower you. I'm the one to go with you. I'm the one that can fulfill what needs to be fulfilled. See, God doesn't want you to do what you can do. God wants to do what he can do through you. That's the difference. God doesn't want to do what you can do. He wants to work in you to do something more than you could ever imagine. He wants to bring a great opportunity. Truett Cathy, the founder of Chick-fil-A, said that oftentimes God will bring great opportunities, but he will disguise them as impossibilities. So you think, ah, this is impossible, I can't do it. But God says, I want to show my power in your life. That's the reason I think in the New Testament, in the Great Commission, remember when God tells his disciples to go out and they're to make disciples of all nations? What does he say to them? Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. Even in the book of Acts, he said, don't go anywhere. Stay right there in Jerusalem until what? Until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because you can't do it on your own. But I'm going to do something great in your life. So Moses says, who am I? God says, it's not about you, it's about me. And then he says, you'll know it. You'll know it when you come back to this mountain. So look at the faith element. Because it's going to be three months after the Exodus event that they come back to the mountain. So it's going to be a while. you got to trust me. But when you come back to the mountain, you're going to know that I was the one that was working to deliver. you just got to trust me. I am with you. And I say that for us, sometimes we may feel inadequate. We may feel inadequate in our families, in our jobs, in even our communities. We may feel inadequate to do what we think we need to do. Look, I, re- I think through like my becoming a parent. My becoming a dad, I still remember I was so frightened to hold Abigail the first time because I just knew I was going to drop her. I don't know if you've noticed this about me, but when we do baby dedications, which I know it's been a while, but you notice this, Sally knows this, do not hand me the baby. Why? Because I still feel a sense of like, if I take that baby and I drop that baby, the shepherd just dropped the baby. How bad is this going to be? You know, it's not that I don't love. I love the children. I love the babies. I just don't, I'm just feeling inadequate. I felt inadequate with my own. Uh, being a dad, you know all the things that go in that. And man, I have failed through the years. But thanks be to God that even though I felt inadequate, he was adequate to be able to be the person that needed to be in my family and to encourage me from day to day. I say sometimes you feel inadequate, but listen to what he says. He says it's not about you, it's about, it's about me, it's about God. Look at the second question. second question occurs in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? So he says, First of all, like, Who am I, God, to do this? And then he looks at God and says, Okay, God, you said you'd go with me. Who are you? Tell me who you are. Because when I get over to Egypt... They're going to want to know a name of somebody that sent me. And there's so many different names and so many different gods. I mean, if you go into Egypt, you'll find a plethora of gods. The Nile itself was a god. They believed that the Nile provided nourishment to the community and to the country. So they worshiped the Nile. And then they had all these gods that were associated with the Nile and all these gods that were associated with the land and all these other things. So Moses like, when I get there, the Egyptians are going to want to know who sent me. And then the Hebrews are going to want to go to who sent me. And they all know all these different gods. So, God, who are you? God, tell me who you are. I need to know your name. Look at how God responds. Verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said thus, shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you get that he said I am that I am It's kind of like a verbal form that you find there in the Hebrew. It's like, hey, I am the one that has always been. I'm the eternal one. I am that I am. Some of your translations may even say, I will cause to be what I will cause to be. Because it is the idea that he is the self-existent. He is not dependent upon anything else. He is the ruler of the universe. And he is the one that is able to accomplish his purpose and his task. I am that I am. You tell them The I am sent you. That's what you tell them. Well, it's good to know that your God is over everything if you're about to walk back into Egypt. It's good to know that like he is the governing authority. If you're about to leave the land of Sinai and go right back in to the palace of Pharaoh. And he says, I am that I am. That's what you tell them. I'm the one that will cause to be what will cause to be. Now, it's a verb form, I am that I am. But remember, this gives us the title that we will find in the Old Testament, the title that we actually used a few moments ago when we were singing, and that's the title of God, the name of God, Yahweh, right? Because the same letters of basically this verbal form will be the letters that will will compose this covenant name of God, Yahweh. Yahweh. In the Old Testament, if you're reading through and you see the word Lord, well, if it's like capital L and then small little O-R-D, then that's talking about like El Shaddai. It's talking about a sir, a lord, or whatever else. If you look through the Old Testament and you see like capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the name Yahweh that's been used there. So you find it. It's the covenant name of God. Now I think, I think Abraham, I, I think Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I think they all knew this God. I think they knew Yahweh. Even in the book of Genesis, I think they knew him as the I am that I am. I believe, in a sense, he's looking at Moses here, God is, and he's saying, You go remind them who I am. You go tell them. This is the God of their ancestors. This is the God that will deliver them. The I am. And don't miss the New Testament consequence of this. Because in the New Testament, especially the Gospel of John, what do you find? The I am statements. Jesus will make all these I am statements. Why does he do that? Because through the I am statements, he demonstrates his deity, that he is God. It connects with the Old Testament. It's the reason the religious leaders of the day like, got so mad at Jesus when he would say, like, I am. I am the bread. I am. If he used that terminology, they knew that he was claiming equality with Yahweh of the Old Testament. And they got so angry. That's the reason they wanted to kill him. Because they recognized that. The I am. So when we think about who God is each and every day of our life when we go about our mission. He's the I am that I am. The I am sent you. The I am is behind you. When you're going about your work, your parenting, when you go about your career, when you go about whatever, the I am is right there behind you, walking with you. And verses 15 through 22, we're not gonna read them this morning, and there is a collective sigh of relief. But verses 15 through 22 tell us the process. He says, you're going to walk in there and you're going, to find some, you're going to find some rebellious people, but I'm still going to work because I am that I am. You're going, to, you're going to need, but I'm going to provide because I am that I am. So he tells us that in those next few verses. But then we move to the third question. It's there in chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. The question here is, God, who are they? He said, who am I? God, who are you? And then he says, who are they? Who are they that they're going to believe? Who are they that they're going to trust me? They're going to think I made this up. They're going to think I came up with this whole deal. God, who are they? Remember, they were the ones, or at least their parents and grandparents, they were the ones Who rejected me earlier? What's gonna be different this time? I was a colossal failure before. What has changed in the last 40 years? I'm gonna go back in there as a shepherd and a fugitive. Again, can you see how he's thinking through his failures? Like, who are they? It's been said, it's been said by C.S. Lewis in the screw tape letters. That Satan's strategy is often to get us focused on our failures so that we can live in defeat. If we focus on our failures all the time, Satan is one. Because we feel like nobody will listen. We can't do it. We can't make it happen. See, failure is still haunting Moses. God, who are they? They're not going to listen to me. There's no way. And for many of us, failures continues to haunt us. Who are they going to listen to us? They're not going to listen to us. I hear, I hear them talking at the church about sharing the gospel. These people aren't going to listen to us. They're not going to listen to me. My family's not going to listen to me. They know who I am. They know I've messed up in life. And those failures just keep coming back. Gotta. You cry out to God, God, I can't serve in the church because you know the way that last relationship ended. God, you know the language I used even when I was 20-something. It turned people off. They're not going to listen now. I can't forget my failures. May I just say to you, God can forget your failures. Where do I get that from? The Bible says that our God is able to forgive us of our sins. And he is able to cast all that sin as far as the east is from the west and remember it no more. God's forgiven you of those things. Why are you allowing those things to continue to haunt you? Why are you allowing those things to stop you from doing what you know God wants you to do? Well, I, again... They're not going to listen. You are not responsible for their response to God. You're not responsible for them believing. You're responsible for doing what? Talking to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. You're responsible to them about sharing life with them each and every day. You're responsible to show them this love of Christ. And and God takes care of the rest of the stuff. See, even as a preacher, I've never saved anybody. God does all that. I'm responsible for get up here and to preach. I'm responsible to talk to people during the week. I'm responsible to be the witness I should be. God takes care of the rest of the stuff and know how he can. When his spirit starts working on somebody. When he starts speaking to somebody. So who are they? Well, look at this. God does something here. God looks at him. Verse 2, it says, what is that in your hand? And he said, a rod. AJ, can you hand me that thing real quickly? Oh, man, you just knocked all my lacquer off of it. What is it? So a friend of mine in the church made this for me, gave it to me this week, this week. Went out to lunch. He said, I got something for you. Heard you talking about Moses' staff the other day and how you'd like to have one. He said, here you are. Now, I'm not sure this is exactly the way Moses' staff looked, but I'm going to tell you, it's a good-looking staff, and I'm pretty proud to have it. He said, here, I want you to take it, and that way you've got it. Oh no, he thought maybe I might need it in a deacon's meeting every now and then, but he said, uh, there it is for you to have. So here's God. He's looking at Moses. Moses the shepherd. He said, Moses, what, what you got? What you got there in your hand? Moses said, Got a rod. That's cool. And look in verse three. God said, Cast it on the ground. Throw it down. So he cast it on the ground. It became a serpent came a snake when he cast it down so i thought i'd do a little experiment this morning thought man let's just see how this works all right so my friend told me it's like moses staff now that's what he told me so i got it here thought i'd just drop it and we'll see what happens all right gotta be careful just try it oh that was loud No snake. It didn't do it. Try it again. again. You think? <laughs> On this level, you think? Right here, I'll try. I'll try. Right higher, you think? Oh, man, this can make me nothing. What did? It... Did you believe it was gonna be a snake? Did you? No. Then it's your fault. You didn't have faith. If you'd had enough faith in this place, we've got to look at never mind. You, you just blown my illustration. Anyway, when you look at this, he says, cast it on the ground, it's a snake. And then I love this because don't miss the humor in this. Verse 3, what did it say at the end? And Moses fled from it. <laughs> you don't think Moses made some tracks? All of a sudden there's a snake? And Moses said, Whoa, I'm out of here. I am gone. Because you would have been too, right? That would have been the end of this service. I mean, we could have given the invitation right then. Nobody had been running here. They'd been all running that direction. But he said, I give you a rod. Rod becomes a snake. Look at verse 4. Or actually, well, yeah, look at verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. (laughs) Yeah, all right, God. He just said, pick up the snake. Well, Moses had faith. He reached out his hand, he caught it, and it became rod in his hand. So it went from a live snake, a live reptile, all the way back to this block, this stick of wood. Incredible. Verse 5, that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. He said, who are they? They're going to believe because... What I'm going to do. And you can use the rod as a sign. He'll also tell him, he'll say, take your hand, stick it in your vest, bring it out, and you will find leprosy. But stick that hand back into your vest and bring it out. What do you find? You find healing. And if they don't believe that, take some water. Take some water out of the Nile and see it transformed to blood, which would be a foreshadowing of the first plague that will come upon the nation of Egypt. It will show how Yahweh God was over the God of the Nile and everything else. He says, see, take these signs. Who are they? They're going to believe because I'm sending the signs. This is the takeaway I want you to get from that. If God calls you to do something, he will empower you with every necessary resource to get it done. he's called you to be a father he'll give you every necessary resource to be a father to be a mother to be a husband to be a son whatever career you're a teacher God's going to give you exactly what you need an engineer a nurse whatever it doesn't matter God can give you anything and everything that is necessary he is the I am that I am and he can give what is necessary in your life to accomplish the task now let's just look on because in verse 10 you have the fourth question Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, "Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So this is the same question he had asked earlier. He just went right back around to the first question. It's the fourth question, but it's really like the first question. Again, he says, God, who am I? Who am I? Look at me. I don't know if you've ever done that with God before. Like, God didn't give you quite the answer you liked the first time, so you just came back and asked Him again. God, who am I here? I, I can't really uh, speak as eloquently as I would like to. I can't. Now, see, I believe that is exaggerating. I've read the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is basically the sermons of Moses. And wow, what messages. I've heard what Stephen said in the New Testament about Moses. Stephen said that Moses was a man mighty in word and deed. So I think Moses exaggerated. Because that's what happens sometimes. You begin to exaggerate your failures, your inadequacies. You begin to try to make excuses. And if somebody said an excuse is nothing more But the skin of reason stuffed with a lie. And sometimes you can reason it, but in the heart of it, it's just something deceptive. Look at me. I can't speak. And maybe he was self-conscious. Maybe he was. I kind of get self-conscious every now and then about things. Some of you may not know this, but I record a radio broadcast on Thursday afternoons. They play it on Sunday morning. At 9.30 or so on one of the local stations, we've been doing that since all this started because there's some people that can't live stream and couldn't join us any other way. So we tried to find whatever means we could to get the word out. So we use the radio. I can't stand to hear my voice on the radio. I can't stand to hear my voice. It's okay when I'm preaching. Some of you say, well, you take long enough. It should be. Well, I'm okay when I'm preaching, but I don't like to hear it. That thick Mississippi accent, man, that bothers me. I mean, if I could just change just a little bit of that, I need the voice of God when I preach. You know, sometimes, here, here's Moses. Moses said, hey, I've never been to Toastmasters. I've never been a Dale Carnegie lecturer. I've never been to a John Maxwell seminar. I've been sitting around with sheep. As a matter of fact, I'm a little pitchy like they are. I'm a little, bah, bah, I'm, I can't speak. I'm not eloquent. Look at the way God responds. Verse 11, so the Lord said, Who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. What did God say? God said, who's your creator? Who's the one who made you like that? Who's the one who made your mouth? See, I love this. Because basically what God says, I don't make junk. I don't make junk. I've created you. And you are who I made you. And I can utilize you. See? God says, I can take it, and and this is what God does. God takes everything about us. He takes our physical characteristics. He takes all of our background and all of our experiences, the good and the bad, and he melds it all together so that he can use us. We are a product of where we have come from and what has happened, but that is good because God is glorified even in those diverse moments so that he can use us. God says, hey, I'm the one that made your mouth. I'm the one that can make it work. I'm the one that can utilize you even when you think you can't be. I am the one who will tell you what to say. He says just go. And then the fifth question. And this is where you see Moses just at hits his wits in verse 13. He said, "Oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send." Fifth question is this. Who else, God? They gotta be somebody else to do this. God, you gotta, you gotta find somebody else. We're told in the scripture that God looks to and fro across this globe, seeking those whose hearts are loyal to him. Second Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9. God had been looking. God had chosen. He had chosen Moses. Moses said, oh, there's got to be somebody else, God. There's got to be somebody else out there. I just can't do this. God has got to be somebody else. In truth, the sovereign God above can choose anybody he wants to. And yes, he could have chosen somebody else. He could have. We might not have ever heard the name Moses if God had decided to do something else and choose another individual to lead. God could have utilized Whomever. But God had chosen Moses. And you know what? God chooses us. He chooses you. God could have have used somebody else in that classroom. God could have used somebody else in that family. But he didn't. He chose you. He chose you to be right there where you are. And I know sometimes you're probably saying, God, could you get somebody else to do this? God, I'd kind of like a break. God, can you, God. But God has chosen you. Now, it says, if you look in verse 14, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. God's got so much more patience than I have. I'm going to tell you, after my kids had asked me the second question, my anger had already been kindled. But he's, God is patient, but his anger is kindled. And basically he says, hey, look, Aaron's coming right now. He's, he's coming to meet you. You take Aaron. You take him out there, and I'll utilize him. If you need somebody, you take Aaron. But get out there and go. I ain't got enough time this morning, but I will suggest to you that this wasn't the best plan. As far as taking Aaron, because if you read the rest of the story, Aaron can be a problem. If he had just listened to God the first time, I think it had been a little bit better in his life. But he says, I got you. I want to use you. Take whatever you got to, go. I want to use you. Listen, friends, God asked the question who? May I say to you that the who that he's talking to today is you. God wants to use you. He's chosen you. He's placed you in the context you're in right now for such a time as this. To be utilized. So let me ask you, what are you doing? What are you doing with what God's asking you to do? What, and and i say this generally, but you know it specifically to your life. You know what He's asking you to do. Right in your family right now, whether you're leading as a father or mother or whatever else, what are you doing? Are you doing what God's asking you to do? The who is you in the family. The who is you in your job, your current vocation. What are you doing for the kingdom? Listen, we're looking in the community. And we see all the things that are happening. Who? It should be you stepping up. It should be me. If the church of the Lord Jesus Christ doesn't speak out with clarity and righteousness. And what is good and loving. Who is going to? Where are we? The who's. In the nations themselves. That God calls us to. The who. God, despite our inadequacy, despite our failures, despite our doubts, despite our even prayers that God would do something with somebody else, God is still relentless in pursuing us and bringing us to his will and to his purpose. And this morning, maybe you've come here and you've had that conversation with God already, that back and forth and talking to him but you hear it one more time. The I am that I am is spoken and he wants to utilize you for his purposes in every context that you find yourself in. Will you surrender your life to him and fulfill that purpose and answer the calling of God upon your life? Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here. And Father, I pray you would utilize us in some tremendous, wonderful way. Maybe it's just to be examples of your gospel, your good news in our families, in our workplaces, in this community and beyond. Father, you've targeted. This morning, you you have laid out your eyes upon certain individuals in this place, upon all of us in so many ways. But you are staring directly, directly into our eyes. And, Lord, we know it, we can sense it, and we can even hear your voice. God, I pray that we would give ourselves wholly and fully to you. For those who are watching or those who are here that have not accepted you as their Lord and Savior, may this be the day when they finally give in. They've heard the message so many times of how your son came and died on the cross and rose and how we could have faith and trust and forgiveness. God, I pray that that would happen. God, I pray that you would take those of us who are believers, that you would use us mightily to do something we never thought we could do in the days to come. We pray it now. In Jesus' name.